Well, 50 years ago, two Americans walked on the moon. It was a pretty exciting event, wasn't it? And we had Apollo 11, and uh, it was almost amazing. It's kind of hard to believe it's been 50 years. Well, it was just, um, it's just amazing. I'm sorry. Thank you. Good point. Well, 18 months before, an avoidable mistake was made during a test, and that was Apollo 1. I don't know if you all remember Gus Grissom and uh, Ed White and Roger Chaffee, but I'm going to show you a video. It's not the actual video. It is from the HBO series Earth to the Moon. So don't, this is, these are actors. This is the Apollo 1 capsule after they pulled the bodies of the three astronauts out. They took it apart piece by piece to try to figure out what happened. They had funerals, three funerals, and then there was an investigation. That's where they took it apart and to try to identify the cause of the fire, which they never fully identified. They know why it spread and they, they fixed that. Then there were congressional hearings. And at the congressional hearings, Colonel Frank Borman, one of the other astronauts, described what happened in, to the committee, and then he said this, and this is what I wanted you to hear. 
first mention of the fire to the rupture of the hull, only 15 seconds. Colonel, what caused the fire? I'm not talking about wires and oxygen. It seems that some people think that NASA pressured North Americans to meet unrealistic and arbitrary deadlines, and that in turn, North America allowed safety. I won't deny that there's been pressure to meet deadlines, but safety has never been intentionally compromised. Now, what caused the fire? Failure of imagination. We've always known there was the possibility of fire in a spacecraft, but the fear was always that it would happen in space when you're 180 miles from terra firma and the nearest fire station. That was the worry. No one ever imagined that it would happen on the ground. If anyone had thought of it, the test would have been classified as hazardous. But it wasn't. We, we just didn't think of it. Now, whose fault is that? Well, it's North America's fault. It's NASA's fault. It's the fault of every person who ever worked on Apollo. <coughs> it's my fault. I didn't think the test was hazardous. No one did. I wish to God we had. Y'all remember that? Still makes me emotional. I was only nine. Remember my mom crying about it? But it makes a point. Didn't think of it. So let's talk about it. I wish I had known. Have you ever felt that? Yeah, I have. I wish it had not happened. If only I had known what to do. If only I had known what to say or in my case, not say. I wish God's word gave very specific answers. Well, I've got good news. God does give answers. And we're going to cover some of those in the book of Proverbs. Because in life, without a moment's notice, you're going to find that you need an answer from God into what to do in a, or say or not say in a specific situation. And Proverbs gives a lot of that. It's God's gift. The verse there that most people talk about is, in the best, is kind of the theme of the book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. And this class is called Sages. So I'm here teaching wisdom to a bunch of people who possess more than, than I do. So if you'll bear with me, I'll try to share, maybe reinforce some of what you already know. All right, how does it fit? Where's the book of Proverbs fit? Well, in the... In the Old Testament, it's really there's three main sections. There's history, experience, and prophecy. And then there's under the history books, there's the law, which where God creates, He selects, He reveals, He judges, and He fellowships with mercy and with faithfulness. What a wonderful God we have. That's what the law teaches us. In the pre-exilic books, we see that faith and obedience bring blessing, but disobedience brings curses and ultimately division and dispersion. And then the post-exilic books, that means after they come back from exile, Israel, God faithfully restores and blesses obedient people under his law. And then we get to the experience books, which is where we are today, that believers trust and worship God while living skillfully under the law, knowing that God alone gives meaning. So in Job, we talked about that, remember? 
We see that believers must trust in God's sovereignty and grace. In the Psalms, we worship and praise through prayer. But in Proverbs, we have God-centered wisdom for skillful living. You see, the law tells them what they are supposed to do. Proverbs tells you, how do I live every day? Okay, I know I'm supposed to show up at the temple and do these things, but what do I do about you? How do I deal with this neighbor next door? I was laying in my hammock last night, now that it's cooler outside, and I got the waterfall going, and the moon was right there. I took a picture and sent it to Kathy with my, my toes sticking up of the moon. <laughs> and you know, it was, it was a great experience. I wasn't watching football, I wasn't upset. <laughs> and there was this dog, woof, 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 barking. So I had an idea. So I pulled up my phone, went to YouTube, and found a dog whistle app. <laughs> so I turned it on, and I pointed it over the fence. <laughs> and then the dog would get quiet, and I thought, maybe it worked. So then I turned it off, I go back to listen to some music, then woof, woof, woof. <laughs> so Proverbs is going to give me, how do you deal with a barking dog? Actually, how do, would you deal with the neighbor of a barking dog? So it's, it's God-centered wisdom. So where does it fit? Well, these books all fit in... In the first part of the Revelation, they really are more around 1000 uh, BC, the time of David. Uh, Job kind of moves the time scale way far forward. So the, the message here is, is kind of like Israelites saying, okay, I get it. Israel must follow the law or else. So what do I do day by day? So I'd already kind of gotten ahead of myself. So here's how the book fits together. First, the message is God centered wisdom for skillful living. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And there's four kinds of people. The wise, the naive, the fool, and the scoffer. And you are one of those four. And if you're like me, you kind of dance across all four. You know, I, I try them out. I do a sampler. How many of y'all have gone into a restaurant? I want a sampler. Okay. That's, that's me. I, I sample. So, when I'm, so with these four sections, the first is teaching wisdom. That's the purpose, first seven verses. And then the father teaches his son wisdom. That's the first nine chapters, and then we get into the Proverbs, the Proverbs of Solomon, the words of the wise, more Proverbs, and the words of Agur and Lemuel, and then we end with everyone's favorite book, The Wife of Noble Character. My wife personally hates the book, or that chapter, and some of you probably do, but I think that's probably why most women, won't own, women own all the real estate, because you buy it, see a field, and you buy it, right? I think that's kind of the deal. No, it's it's a great passage. All right, meaning of a proverb. So what does it mean? A Hebrew verb, it means to be like or to compare with, and a proverb concisely packs a life truth. It just puts it in a very, very small piece so you can get it. It's just a wise saying. It's a general guideline about life, and it gives the normal outcome. This is very important that you understand this about the book of Proverbs. If you miss this, you're not going to understand the book. It's the normal outcome, and there are exceptions. This is what we would like to see. The fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. Sound pretty good, right? Do you know some people you'd like cut short? <laughs> yeah, me too. I can give you names. This is, but in, like Psalm says, this is what the wicked are like. They're always carefree, and they increase in wealth. Have you seen that? Is it's like not Job? Remember we had you know, we talked about Job. So that's what a proverb gives the normal rule of thumb. Proverbs are not absolute promises. 
Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. How many of that has not worked? Don't raise hand. Has not worked out. That's because that's generally true, but we're dealing with dirty little rotten sinners that God has entrusted to us, and they do things even though we do things right. All right. So daily, so their Monday morning application, they lead to a, right, a righteous and aggressively dynamic life, and there's a structure. So there's three kinds. There's the contrastive, and the key word, you may not be able to read it, is but. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. So it's a contrast. And you'll see them, sometimes the buts and the ands and the suffer implied. So the next is completed. The key word is often and. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. Pretty good, right? That's one of those you want to be a promise. And then the comparative keyword is often then. Better is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. Proverbs are pretty amazing. You read through them and you go, I wish I'd known that. I wish I'd remembered that. That's my point of the lesson, by the way. So the proverb is Solomon, King David, King of Israel. Solomon is the primary author. The purpose of Proverbs is given in the first six verses. The first one is to attain disciplined skill in living. Key word is discipline. The Christian life is a discipline. It, it was Godly lifestyle was disciplined back then. It's still disciplined today. I have a quiet time. I try to have it every morning. I, keep, I have a quiet time journal. And I write down, like, on this, this day, no quiet time when I didn't do it. So I kind of marked that I didn't do it, looking for bad trends. To gain mental sharpness, something I used to have, but I need to re-get that back. To follow high moral standards. My, I'll tell on my wife, when she was in school, she told me once that when she would, you'd be taking a test and she would glance over at somebody else's paper and she would and see their answer to a question. Even though she knew the answer, she would get it wrong. She would just not mark it, is that right? Because it was wrong. She didn't want to cheat. And I'm, I was listening to that going, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what part of cheat don't you understand? <laughs> Do the right thing. To give wisdom to the simple and the young. And by the way, we can be simple and old. I think my grandmother used to say, there's no fool like an old fool. And she'd also refer to old people as that old fossil. I never got that one. How, you're saying they're an old fossil? <laughs> to grow the wisdom of the wise. So wise knowledge must be God-centered. We already talked about that verse, but I'll read it to you again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and instruction. So now the father goes on, and he, and he gives his son wisdom. The father's instruction. It whets the, ap the appetite for wisdom. And the goal is to apply his parents' wise sayings. And then he talks about life problems. Joining evil brings bad consequences. Remember reading that passage? It says, don't fall in with these evil people. Evil people are bad company. We've been taking dance lessons, and we were sitting next to a guy, and he decided to give me his testimony. He talked about how he got out of drugs and alcohol. He went to AA, but he'd go back to the bar and have a Coke. Well, eventually he was drinking again and doing drugs again. And he said the difference was he finally started going, got involved in a church, and God changed him, but he changed the people that he was with. Rejecting wisdom brings disaster. So how does, does this really apply to me? And that's the question. You know, you kind of think, well, I'm, you know, I'm, my, my kids are long raised. My grandkids are almost raised. 
So does it really apply to me? And the answer is yes. Proverbs defines two types of people. And look in verse, chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out at the entrance of the gates of the city, and she utters her saying, How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. There's four kinds she mentions. The first is simple, or the naive, uncommitted, open, aimless. You know people like that? They're usually about this tall. Right? That's the normal. The fool is kind of insensitive to wisdom. You don't want to hear it. Just don't want to hear it. The mocker, I can name names on that one too. Scoffer, wicked, opposes wisdom. And last one are the sages. Wise, willing to learn and be corrected. Now, How many of us in our old age want to be corrected and appreciate correction? Yeah, I'm the same way. Pull out the sword, chop their head off. <laughs> Who do you think you are? All right, well, let's talk about, we're going to talk about the naive. I'm going to give you some, this is going to be a PowerPoint exercise, so get ready. Here we go. Uh, the, the simple, they're uncommitted. So what's their mindset? Well, they're wide open space. And they are. They're youthful, normally. Somebody told us yesterday that we were young at heart. I don't know if that meant that it was just wide open spaces. Unable to discern and blind to consequences. Think about that one. Blind to consequences. You know, if you do this, this is going to happen. You know that, right? You've learned that the hard way. I've got scars. You've got scars. Every child is born with a simple mind, wide open. So what is the simple like? Well, the characteristics of the simple, they believe everything. Look in verse 14, chapter 14, verse 15. It's, I'll just read it for you. It says, the naive believes everything but the sensible man considers his steps. And, you know, you think about our, our uh, middle son is a chemical engineer. He was epitome of naive. He worked at Chick-fil-A for years before he went to school. Right before he went to A&M, he got scammed out of all of his savings. And it was a painful lesson, but we've been warning him, you're, you're way too trusting. And he found out he was. Lacks common sense. Responsive to, to praise and flattery. I like flattering people, but I want to do it in a way they know it's, it's just fun. But I'm not trying to take advantage of you. Now, you may get a phone call. Somebody's going to call you, and you don't know it, but you're their best friend. And as part of being their best friend, they want money. Did, didn't you tell me, Kathy, there was a an astronaut from Nigeria that needs $3 million to get back to Earth? Yeah, to get back to Earth, yeah. Yeah, oh, you can. All right. Blind to danger or consequences, into the simple. Failure to decide is a bad decision. Failure to decide is no decision. Is, excuse me, failure to decide is a decision, and it's usually a bad one. The uncommitted simple is drawn to foolishness. Look in chapter 14, verse 18. Let's look at that. The naive inherit foolishness. It just comes naturally. It's just part of who they are. But the sensible are crowned with knowledge. So, waywardness, 
kills him. Waywardness, meaning that lack of commitment, kills him. And you say, well, what about so-and-so, my child? They committed themselves to Christ, but they're not following through. Well, deception is still in play. So let's go on. Can the simple gain wisdom? The simple can choose. This is really cool. Wisdom invites the simple. Look in chapter 9, verses 1 and 4. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out seven pillars. She says this, Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To him who lacks understanding, she says. So she's calling to the naive. The wisdom says, come on in. This is it. Well, guess who else is calling? The folly, the fool. And look, she says this, The woman of folly is boisterous. She is naive and lacks and knows nothing. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. So guess what? The naive is standing there. Wisdom is calling. Foolishness is calling. He's got a choice. Which way is he going to go? Which way is she going to go? Choose wisdom. Make the choice. Learn wisdom. Learn from examples. And learn from the study of Proverbs. Now, what does wisdom look like? Well, it looks like this. (laughs) That is our precious grandson, Samuel. Not too bad, huh? Now, you notice he's wearing a shirt for a losing team. (laughs) Did he choose to put that shirt on? Does he have any idea what that shirt means? Not a bit. Notice he's got a bow in his hair. And it's not what you think. As his sister gets a bow, he wants a bow. Because he's naive. He's like, I don't want to be left out. He has no clue. He will hate this picture later on. But he's precious. He's very precious, and he's very naive. But God has provided parents to move him from simple to wise. Isn't that cool? That's how it works. Now, I don't have pictures for the others. You know, like when I get to wise, I was trying to get a quick picture of JC, but he was moving too fast. So I couldn't do that. And I wasn't going to put anybody's face up here for the fool. All right, the fool is insensitive to wisdom. Let's talk about the mindset of the fool. He knows it all. He's arrogant. Arrogant, negative, deceives himself and repeats his mistakes, rejects or deflects instruction. Yet fools can change. Now, honestly, don't raise your hand. How many of you feel like, I think last week I've been a fool? If you're like me, you'll probably go, oh yeah, yeah. And what happens is, it comes on you really fast. You're put into that situation where you can reject or deflect instruction and you have to make a decision on a moment's notice. That's where the godly wisdom comes in. So what's a fool like? Characteristics, he hates knowledge and wise words. Just doesn't like them. He's prone to self-deception. Look in chapter 14, verses 8 through 9. The wisdom of the sensible is to understanding his way, but the foolishness of fools is deceit. Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is goodwill. Fools mock at sin. One of the political parties had a homosexual forum on CNN. I think there was a lot of mocking at sin going on there. But they're deceived. They're always talking and not listening. Uh, this, is, this, one is, this is one that gets me the most. A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. When I'm talking to people, I try to tell them, I try to warn them up front, 
when my foolish comes out, foolishness comes out, I say, oh, look, if we're going to talk, I just want you to know that I tend to want to talk about my favorite subject. And they say, what's that? Me. <laughs> that's me. That's, my favorite subject is me. And that's being the fool. And so that's my way of kind of reminding myself to not be a fool, to really invest in you and what you care about, not what I care about. Now, when I'm teaching class, too bad. It's just, I, I just get to do it in spades, so it, you just have to deal with it. All right. A fool is also not teachable and repeats mistakes. The lifestyle here. He's unfocused, uncommitted, and no plan. Chapter 17, verse 24. Wisdom is in the presence of one who has understanding. Now, listen to this. You're going to think this is kind of weird. But the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. What does that mean? He's just looking way out. There's no plan. There's nothing real for right here. Nothing real for right here. It's just way in the future. And you know, you can really feel like you're accomplishing something if you're solving all the world's problems in your mind. But you can't pick up the trash off the floor. He hates to be caught in his foolishness. No fools like that. Hot-headed and reckless in anger and inappropriate speech. I like dwelling on the fool because the fool and I have way too much in common still. I don't want to be that way. I want to continue to change. Into the fool. Big mouth constantly brings trouble. Let's look. The fool's mouth is his ruin, and the lips, and his lips are a snare of his soul. Have you noticed that when you say something, you cannot retrieve it? You know, I, I, you talk to people who teach, like, Sunday school or whatever, and Kyle and I have had this conversation, and even just, you know, you say something, you go, I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I'd said this differently. You know, and you've got to be careful because I don't want to inadvertently step on anybody. But when I'm talking, it's real easy just to run my mouth. And it can get me in trouble because I'm a talker. My wife is a listener. She's the audience for the show. <laughs> Y'all remember the movie, uh, the, the, uh, the movie Gone with the Wind in the, the novel? I don't know if you read it. But um, the... Uh, um, uh, the dad, what's his, uh, Gerald O'Hara, his wife's Ellen. Well, when Ellen died, he died. But he didn't die physically. And, and Margaret Mitchell makes the comment that, that he, was the, he was the actor and she was the audience. And when the audience was gone, he quit. He quit. So that's where us outgoing people, us talkers, we have to be careful. This is a snare for us. All right, harms parents and friends. We've all been in that pain. You don't honor a fool. Our country is really working hard at honoring fools. <laughs> and it usually doesn't work out well. Punishment, they need to be punished. Eventually, self-approval kills him. If you're the best in everything you do and you know it, it's going to take you down. 
So must the fool always be the fool? This is the cool part. Wisdom is possible. Someone must correct the fool. Look in verse 20, chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. It says this. Do not, and you've got to be real careful with these words. They're amazing. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him. And that's the first part. So he's doing some foolish act. Don't respond the same way. Then he says, answer a fool as his folly deserves that he not be wise in his own eyes. So you don't get down into the pigsty with him, but you answer it, but you do it in how it deserves, how he deserves it. And that way you can correct him, and then the fool must choose to listen to wisdom. The fool is redeemable. The fool is redeemable. So if you're feeling like I'm beating on you and thinking, well, I'm being foolish, well, that's part of who we are, but that's redeemable. It's this guy that we have the problem. That's the mocker. He opposes wisdom. So what's the mindset? He knows it all. He has a closed mind. He rejects or mocks instruction. He tries to turn others into mockers. He is a recruiter. Be like me. Mean and, and just horrible. Poisonous. So what's the mocker like? All right, well, first, he loves being a mocker. He likes it because he's the smartest man in the room, and he knows it, and he'll probably tell you several times. He rejects correction. Look in chapter 9, verses 7 and 8. He who corrects a scoffer gets dishonor for himself, and he who reproves a wicked man gets insults for himself. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Notice you can reprove a fool, not according to his foolish thing he's doing, but how it needs to be, how it's deserved. That's where it takes wisdom. But with a scoffer, it's not. He's just going to hate you. How many, and don't raise your hand, how many of you have gently gone to somebody to correct them, to help them, and they have hated you for that? See some few hands, a few heads going, yeah. Well, there's your scoffer. Strikes back at the teacher. Some of you have probably taught school. Yeah, I've been on the receiving end of little scoffers. Will not consult the wise. Unsuccessfully seeks wisdom his way. In life, he's proud and he's arrogant. He brings insults, strife, and fighting. Chapter 22, verse 10. This is really amazing. Drive out the scoffer and contention will go out. Even strife and dishonor will cease. So you're in a small group or you're in a Sunday school class or you're in another group and there's, there's just strife and there's issues. It may just be there's a scoffer present who is stirring it up. You need to just gently pick them up and move them out. Now, mockers are not always obvious. We're going to jump to the New Testament. Romans 16, verses 17 to 18. Now I urge you, brethren, keep your eye on those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching which you have learned, which you learned, and turn away from them, for such men are slaves, not of our Lord Jesus, but of their own appetites. And by their smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. So scoffers have had an update by the New Testament is they can be smooth as well. But you need to stay away from them. All right, so the end of the mocker, he is normally not well-liked. He is mocked by God himself, and he must be punished. 
chapter 19, verse 25. Strike a scoffer, and the naive may become shrewd, but reprove the one who has understanding, and he will gain knowledge. His punishment will teach others, same verse. He will be judged. So can the mocker gain wisdom? Can he? No. No, they're hopeless. Well, wait a minute, not so hopeless. In Christ, yes. When the disciples heard this, they were astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking, them, looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people this is impossible. With God all things are possible. Anybody can be redeemed. The Apostle Paul was a good first-class scoffer, and uh, he was certainly turned around. So anything is possible. But the wisdom, the normal life, we just, these, the wisdom of Proverbs teaches us how to deal with these people, these different types. Next one is the wise. Wise is, the mindset of the wise is teachable, correctable, humble, blessing to others, honored by God and man. So what's the wise like? I know that fits everybody in this room, so we won't spend too much time on it. Internal characteristics. He fears, trusts, and submits to God. Remember, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Receives instruction and wisdom. Righteous and not wicked. Humble and not proud. Self-controlled and not rash. We'll look at that verse. It says, he is slow to anger, has great understanding. Forgiving and not vindictive. So the external characteristics are he respects and listens to his parents. Appreciates, praises, and trusts his wife. Now there's nothing in there about husband. So guys, Solomon is slamming us. But I think he gets even with the wives in Proverbs 31. So he loves and trains his children. He's a blessing to friends and neighbors. His words are honest and a blessing. And money is viewed and used well. Last verse we're going to look at in, in here is verse 1128. Um, it says, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. So the end of the wise, the wise will inherit honor. The crown of the wise is their riches. The path of life leads upward for the wise that he may keep away from Sheol or death below. The wise continues to grow in wisdom, so embrace wisdom and live. And you think, okay, well, that was interesting. Let's talk about a few proverbs. Did you know saying good morning can be dangerous? Did you know that? What's good about it? Yeah, what's good about it? Well, look at this proverb. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be reckoned a curse to him. <laughs> Try it. All right, whoever in your house needs coffee before they get going, okay, before they get to the coffee, I want you to go up to them and say, ah, isn't it a great day? And they'll say, you're cursing me just like that proverb said. That's right. It's the right thing at the wrong time in the wrong way, right? I know I'm not a coffee drinker, but I know coffee, how coffee drinkers operate. This is a coffee verse right here. Now, the safe way is a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So gentle words calm, rough words inflame anger. Now, a gentle word isn't, isn't thank you <laughs> with your gritting your teeth. Okay, you get that? It's really interesting to me. Thank you. Now, you may be thinking, that was very hurtful. That was unkind, and that was untrue. But you just, you can be gracious. There's, remember, there's other Proverbs that talk about how do we deal with correction. Okay, keep confidences. I like this one. 
He who goes about as a tale-bearer reveals secrets, but he who is trustworthy conceals a matter. We're not supposed to conceal anything, right? Well, there are times to keep secrets. There are times we, if somebody's entrusted us with something, but also know this, you cannot tell what you don't know. So, um, my wife and one of the ladies was sitting here talking, and I walked up, and the lady said, do you want to talk to your wife? And I said, I said no, I'm just kind of wandering around. And my wife looked at him and said, he's just being nosy. <laughs> so yeah, just don't be nosy. You cannot tell what you don't know. So that's really kind of cool if you think about it. Because you know, if somebody's telling you something, you're sharing something, you, know, you can ask more questions. But, but before you do that, ask yourself, do I really need to know? Because if I know it, then it's a confidence that I have to keep and make sure the next verse is going to help. Keep the trust even if it might help you to tell. Look at this one. Argue your case with your neighbor and do not reveal the secret of another or he who hears it will reproach you and the evil report about you will not pass away. All right, so in the heat of battle, we may have helpful knowledge. I know none of you have done this, but I have. You're sitting there going at it, talking to somebody, and you're just going back, and you know this secret thing right here, and this is like the big hammer, and you drop the hammer on them, and then you go, oh my, what have I just done? And that's what he's talking about, right? He's saying, even though you got this awesome thing, it's held in confidence. So guess what? You got to keep your mouth shut. If it's in confidence, then do not tell. You see, Proverbs tells us what to say, what to not say, how to act. But you got to have that right here at that moment, don't you? Otherwise, you're in the heat of the battle. You need that proverb telling you, don't say that. Because then people will say, don't trust Stuart. He's got a big mouth. Be a hardworking giver. The desire of the sluggard puts him to death, for his hands refuse to work. All day long he is craving, doesn't want to work, but he wants, while the righteous gives and does not hold back. So the righteous, contrasting lifestyle, the lazy man desires but is unwilling to work. The righteous man works and gives generously. And I can talk about giving to you guys because I'm not on staff at church, so you know, there's, no, there's no mixed motives here. I can just tell you what God's word says. I got a question, just kind of curious. Why are the proverb topics all mixed up? Harold. Keep quiet, don't tell. Keep quiet, do not tell the conference. Yes. So I've got a problem with the church, okay? My problem is this, and all the preachers will say this. If you have problems, you find you a good Christian man in the church because that's problem. That's sin. I've not been to a church yet that the preacher didn't do what I'm fixing to say. Okay. You get the other preachers, let's pray about this man's sin. Those preachers didn't tell everybody. And it happens in this church. So, give me an answer to that. Well, the, the, the answer to that is what Proverbs talks about. If you have a confidence, you keep it. A friend of mine... But not know. Going to somebody and telling 
Man, don't give us any details. <laughs> I get it. And, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, and I know it happens. I, what I was going to tell you is a, a friend of mine used to kind of make that point, and the way he would do it is this way. He said, I don't tell secrets. It's the people I tell that have the big mouth. <laughs> And that's exactly what you're talking about. And, the, and that, is a, that is a trap. And that's, it, that is the previous verse, what the previous verse is talking about. If you have something in confidence, you don't tell. Even to go and say, will you pray for this dear brother? Because there's two things going on here. One, you probably know too much. Okay? You don't need to know all the details. I mean, there's sin I know about in the lives of other people, and I know way too much. And you know, I wish I didn't know it. Because... Because it's here, there's always the chance it's going to get out. And that's what you're talking about. So you have to be careful about what you tell. And if somebody does it, if somebody has done that, then, some, then a brother, that brother needs to go to him potentially and talk to him. Because the scripture says, Matthew 18, you need to go talk to him individually. Individually say, I shared something in confidence with you, which you shared somebody else, and you didn't have my permission to do that. So there are, there are methods for dealing with that. But the tongue... You're going to see most of the verses in Proverbs talk about that because we all talk. And, but don't wrap spirituality and prayer around talking. All right, let's move on because I know what time we're supposed to end this time. All right, so the answer is, my question was, my question was why are the proverb topics all mixed up? When you read the Proverbs, you go, why are they all mixed up? It's just subject changes over and over. I mean, I would like an appendix. I mean, I'd like it to be all in right logical sequence, right? Well, God doesn't do it that way, and I think this is my idea, to make us read all of them. I'm looking for a verse on this. Well, I gotta, well you mean, God, i got to read 150 verses to find the one I want? Yeah, because there's other things coming your way, buddy. I want you to be ready. So the next one is wait before you decide. The first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. This has been in the news big this week last few weeks, talking about a presidential phone call to Ukraine uh, where all these lies were put out about what was in it, and then you see what was actually in it, and it's nothing. And this is exactly the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines. We are so quick to make a decision based on the first thing you hear. Somebody was talking about headlines and the, uh, the news, and they said, just ignore the first headline. Give it a couple of weeks, and you'll get the truth. But it won't be on the page one. First reports seem true, but wait to hear the other side. And that is a big deal, a very, very big deal. This, this verse is so applicable to today. It'll make your life a lot happier. Okay, so embrace wisdom. If you can, do the good. This is a great verse. It says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. How many of you have heard of Billy Graham? How I many of you know that they had a follow-up program after Billy Graham? Are you familiar with that? They had a follow-up program? Do you know who did develop the original follow-up program for Billy Graham? A guy by the name of Dawson Trotman in the Navigator's Ministry. Do you know why he developed that follow-up program? Anybody? Because Billy went to him and said, 
we need a follow-up program. And Dawson said, I ain't got time to do that. He didn't put it that way. Well, he could have, because he's kind of a rough guy. He could have said, ain't. And Billy said, there's nobody else that can do it. I need you to do it. And it was that verse that God used to compel him to reorder the whole ministry to develop and support and build the follow-up methodology for the Graham Crusades. It was that verse. See, just one verse. Because he could do the good, and he had the power to do it. And he said, God, has, God told him, you need to do this. All right, moving on. Part one, a good thing needing to be done. Part two, someone needs it, yet you have the power to do it. So to whom is the good due? Well, the next verse gives you the answer so we can't escape. Do the good now to your neighbor. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Neighbor needs the rake. You need to borrow the rake. Well, I'll give it to you tomorrow. No, give it to him now, even though you're, you, need to, you only have your pajamas on. Simple example. Do not put off a neighbor in need. Okay, prayer of, of, the, of Agur, which I like. We're gonna, it's the last part we're going to talk about. He says in chapter 7, excuse me, chapter 30, verses 7 to 8, says, Two things I asked of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Keep me, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the portion that is the, with the food that is my portion, that I will not be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or that I will not be in want and steal and profane the name of my God. And it's just to me, Agur recognized his frailty and asked for help. And he had two critical areas of weakness he wants to overcome in this life. Protection from lying. He says, God, I don't want to lie. And he says, and give me just the right amount of stuff. Because I want just enough daily bread. And because I'm afraid of the temptations of poverty and riches. Because the riches, I'll disown and forget you if I have too much. I'll just, I'll just do it. I'll assume it's all me. But if I'm poor, too poor, I'll dishonor your character because I'll do something I shouldn't do. That's wisdom. He knew where his gaps are. So how do we apply this? How can I have wisdom ready to use? Well, I've got something easy you've probably heard, but you're probably not doing it. Why? Do I know that? Because I've heard and I've done it and I'm not doing it or haven't been. You ready? Proverbs is 31 chapters. Kind of amazing. One chapter a day will cover many topics daily. Remember, they're all mixed up. And a chapter equals the day of the month. So, today is October 13th. So what chapter should you read today? Proverbs 13. Now this should not, I would not do this as your quiet time because you need to be moving in the full counsel of God. So if you're having your quiet time in the Gospel of Mark and you have your quiet time in the morning, that's great. Well, how about at lunchtime or sometime in the afternoon or in the evening or go out and get in your hammock and look at the moon and read Proverbs 13. Listen to the, and just bless God for the barking dog. It's never too late to start. I don't care how old you are. Remember Dawson Trotman talking about the topical memory system. He said there was people in their 80s that have memorized all 70, uh, 100, no, 100 and some odd verses in their 80s. It's a lot harder to memorize when you're older, but it can be done. It takes more review. Embrace wisdom and minimize regrets. I don't like regrets. But there's a solution. And it's God's wisdom. But it's not going to be available at the moment you need it if you're not in it. Does that make sense?
All right, let's pray. Dear Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the wisdom that you've given us in the book of Proverbs. I pray that we would have the courage and the faithfulness and the uh, compulsion to avail ourselves of it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.